So today, I wanted to bring you this article and then some other stuff I've added on worry. Now, I'll probably chase a, a number of rabbits this morning. But these are some things that uh, have been uh, stirring in my heart for a long time. And, uh, and I, I'm like a, a Jeremiah. I'm, I'm not going to be quiet about it anymore. I want you to understand that there's a difference between Christian counseling and biblical counseling. And um, it's become a direct attack upon the Bible. There was a biblical counselor sharing his um, confidence in the Word of God with a, a woman who was interviewing him. And he talked about the sufficiency of the Scripture for the needs of man. And let me pick up here. After he shared that with her, at this point, the individual who had come to ask me about my views on Christian counseling responded by saying, well, what you're saying about all of these things is nice, but what do you think should be done when people have really serious problems? What has happened is a... Uh, uh, an attack upon the sufficiency of God's word. And uh, there has been, for better definition, uh, there's been a, a view called the two-book view. And it's not really two books. But the idea is that Psychology and the medical field has come up with some things about emotional problems, problems that the idea and the term maybe you heard is that all truth is God's truth. And so everything that's been discovered is true, is God's truth, and we should use it. And so what's been discovered in the field of psychology and psychiatric study, the truths that are found there, those are valid because they're God's truths. 
But let me remind you that there's only one thing that's preserved forever, and that's the Word of God. And just uh, last year, in 2022, the secular world and the, the scientists and the medical field and their study, well, let me pre- preface that with this. For years, I counseled people that, <clears throat> that the majority of their problems are spiritual problems. But there could be somehow, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain that can only be treated with drugs. And that's been held to for decades. But last year, the secular world, not just the Christian world, came out to say there are no chemical imbalances in the brain. Now I want you to look at 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. Well, let me go back to this two-book thing. Is that because all truth is God's truth, then we can, you know, we need to pull from psychiatry and psychology and medical field to be able to deal with people and and their problems. well, as I just said, they found out when they did really good studies that the amount of serotonin in your brain has nothing to do with your emotions. As far as debilitating you. And I also want to ask you this question. What is What is mental illness? We have that word used a lot. What is mental illness? What is sick when you're mentally ill? If you have a concussion or is in an accident or you overdosed on drugs, it affects the humanity sometimes. And some people I've known and known about who are messed up because they burnt their brains up with drugs. But when a person is mentally ill, if I have a heart attack, I know what my problem is, my heart. If I have <clears throat> diabetes problems, then I know that something's wrong with my insulin and my resistance to insulin. It's a physical thing. But what is sick when you're mentally ill? I submit to you that what is sick is your soul. And soul work can only be done through the scriptures. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, we have a very powerful statement that's being questioned when it comes to Christian counseling and biblical counseling. And what I'm proposing today is biblical counseling. Second Peter 1 and verse 3, 
according as his divine power have given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness except mental illness, except worry, except anxiety. Well, what are we going to believe? We're going to believe the Bible? Do we have to be able to be able to help people? Do we have to know all about psychology and psychiatric treatment? And and I don't know if I'm using those words in the proper way. How can we help people? Is the Christian, and particularly the pastor, competent to counsel? Well, this uh, little pamphlet I've given you, we're going to deal with people who have anxiety problems. Lots of anxiety problems. He gives a little scenario about um, a man who'd been elected to be on the deacon board and how his wife was all upset about that and her worries. Look at the last uh, paragraph underneath the first section. Uh, Many Christians struggle with worries similar to Susan's. If you're one of them, you can begin to loosen the stranglehold of worry by learning the reasons that you worry in the first place. You can then begin practicing God's solution to worry and become a useful servant for God and can experience peace in your heart. Pastor Douglas told Bill that God has something to say about Susan's problems. In fact, God, through his word, has addressed every possible problem that can interfere with a believer's ability to serve God accurately and reflect his nature. Now, let me go back and preface a little bit what I've said here. If someone comes to you with problems that can be identified as mental problems and... and uh, problems that are they're struggling with. It's not wrong for a pastor or someone to say, you know, you need to go get a good physical. Because, uh, because there are things that happen in our lives, <laughs> particularly gut problems, particularly what you eat, how you eat, that can affect you emotionally. And so a good physical can help you identify some things that are not mental or soul in their nature, but are body in their nature. And so I'm not saying that, 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 that uh, what we eat or what's going on in our, in our body or, you know, I mean, when I got COVID, uh, I had some emotional problems. <laughs> and, uh, and so those, you can realize that that's happening. But, but soul problems, anxiety, are spiritual problems. That's not the Bible say, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. 
Is there a possibility for perfect peace for the child of God? Well, if there's not, then the Bible's not true. And we've sold out to this thing that we don't want to question science. But uh, if you hold to that, you know, years ago, in some of the hospitals, they'd go and do into the morgue and they'd do their autopsies with no rubber gloves or anything like that, do their autopsies, leave there and go and do examinations, vaginal examinations on pregnant women without washing their hands and they couldn't figure out why so many of them were dying. That was science. So it's changed over time. But the word of God never changes. And here, we uh, are going to approach this thing about worry. The second heading. The things that worry us are the things that are the most important to us. Our anxieties are always revealed in our priorities. We never worry about things that are unimportant to us. Make a list of your worries and ask yourself, are the things I worry about priorities to God? For example, most of our worries about what we will wear result from our priority to be accepted by others. We want to have a certain kind of clothing to impress others or bolster our sagging pride. God condemns this priority and says that this kind of fear of men will be a trap to defeat us. Maybe we should look at those two verses. Second uh, Corinthians 12 and 10. I can tell I'm not going to get through with this, so you can take this home and read it. But 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. See, we have, even in the independent Baptist circles today, Christian counselors who are saying, you need to send your people down to our church because we have the Christian counselors that can help them. Well, listen, all the manuals that we need in helping people with anxiety is what we're studying today is right here. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, it says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. In a similar manner, many of our financial worries have, be, have come because of purchased things to satisfy our lust. We worry about where we will get the money to go pay our debts. God is concerned, however, about when we will change our value system. Before we can overcome the sinful habit of worry, in cases like these, we must be ready to repent of sinful priorities that lead us to trouble in the first place. We worry because we depend on the wrong person. The one we turn to when we have a problem, the one we trust most to help. If we call a friend every day to rehash our problem, we reveal that we believe our friend can help. Even if all he has to offer is a listening ear, we're dependent upon our friend for relief. If we keep our thoughts to ourselves and constantly repeat them in our mind and we reveal that we believe that we have the answer to our problems, uh, 
we're dependent upon ourselves for the solution. If on the other hand, we discuss our concern with God and seek his thoughts and our concerns, even though we believe he has a solution to our problem, we're dependent upon God. Ask yourself, to whom do I talk most about my problem? And to whom do I listen to the most for advice about my problem? The answer to these questions will reveal whom you believe has the answer. Susan had to see that although she had a desire to please God, she was replacing God, becoming her own problem solver. Pastor Douglas gave Bill some practical steps to help Susan through these issues of her heart. Your Bible may translate the Greek word for anxiety as worry or be careful, you know, be careful for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passeth understanding shall keep your heart. Well, that word in the basic meaning, the word anxiety, the word be careful, is, has the meaning to divide, it's divide. When I am worrying, when I have anxiety, I have a divided heart. It's not stayed on thee. It's looking at the problem, trying to find some worldly fashion to take care of it. A sinful care of worry, then, is something that divides the heart. Double-mindedness, serving two masters and distracted from God. Paul's legitimate concern drove him to God in prayer and service and dependence. Sinful worry drives us from God and his word. It separates us from most important things. The example of Martha, that she was, she was cumbered about by many things. Instead of just sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking the most thing, she, she was fussing over preparation. Of, they, think about things which divide your attention and distract your heart from God. Well, I listed three of them. You can do that yourself, but uh, what distracts my heart? Well, one thing, our government. <laughs> Man, how, how much faith we've put into our government. I saw a video the other day and they asked, they asked this guy about the United States being the greatest nation of the world. He didn't want to answer it and finally he just, he just laid it out. And he talked about our crime rates greater than this, the other countries, this, 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 and that the United States is not the greatest nation in the world. It's not. The United States is not the greatest nation in the world. And so the government can stir my heart, you know. It can get me worrying because, because I forget, to, forget the reality of the fact that this world's not my home. The United States is not my home. Yeah. Finances and the economy. Your old 401k. How's that doing for you? Huh? <laughs> I don't have a lot of money, but when I lose $1,000 in the stock market, uh, it's a shock. Growing old. 
wanting to grow graciously and being told by people to come up, come and pick up food at, from the, for the food bank when I deliver food for the food bank. Boy, it's nice to see you smiling today because you never are smiling. <laughs> and so, and Susie tells me, you know, you always look grumpy. And uh, maybe I am, I don't know. And so, in Proverbs 28 and 13, It says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, and whosoever confesseth and forsaketh him shall have mercy. Now, this is not popular, but listen. To worry is sinful. When the possibility for us to have perfect peace is available to us, through putting our trust in the Lord and we're carrying all these burdens ourselves, it's sinful. But let me also say to you that for some people, worry is a reality. Isaiah says this. Isaiah says, But the wicked, who are the wicked? Well, that's Hitler and those guys. No, the wicked is you. Without the Lord. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. On only one occasion, Chris probably on many occasions, but on one occasion I was on the Oregon coast when the water wasn't blue and the wind wasn't gentle. And man, the dirt and the foam and the un unrest of the sea was amazing to watch. The wicked are like the troubled sea. If you're not saved, you need to be worried. But if you're saved... You ought, to, you ought to put all your faith and trust in the Lord. Now, go with me to, Daniel, to uh, Philippians. Here's someone that's come to you, and they're telling you that they got anxiety problems. Man, I'm worrying, and, and it's, affected my, it's affecting my life. And you know them to be a new believer or maybe an old believer. And they're saying, how can you help me? What, what am I going to do? Well, I suggest to you that you flip over to Philippians chapter 4. Remember we read in 1 Peter that the word of God pertains to all those problems. There's an answer. There's an answer for the soul part of you. We're not talking about the physical part of us. The Bible has no answer to um, heart attacks, but it does have an answer to how you relate to a heart attack. 
And so Philippians chapter 4, some powerful, powerful words here. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. It doesn't mean we don't think about things and we're careful about where we go or what we do. But that word careful here is, that again, again, this word that has the core, core meaning to be divided. It's worry. Worry will tell you, tear you apart. It divides your emotion. It divides your person. You get up worrying. You go to bed worrying. I'm all tore up inside. What's wrong with me? Well, you're worrying. Be careful for nothing. So we have a clear command here. Don't be worrying. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so the first thing that the Philippians suggest, when I am, when I am worrying, worries, number one, Pray, pray right. Let your request be made known unto God. Don't be anxious. Tell God about it. And here's the thing that I think that, that we have failed to grasp for so many years. We go to prayer and we word some prayer and we have some hope so you know, ideas about praying and hopefully God will hear this and answer it. And we want to, we want to say, well, according to your will, you know, Lord, you answer this how you want. And we'll say, we'll say, Lord, um, Lord, I'm having a problem here. And if you would help me, I'd appreciate it. And, and, uh, and uh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Well, listen, if I, if I told my boys and my girls when, when I was younger, I promise you we're going to go fishing on Saturday. And for some of the boys, that's going to be a big deal. Caleb and Jordan particularly. Toby not so much, and Jock was still... Uh, to come, <laughs> and they and and when that time comes, they're, they're thinking, "Oh, he might not do it. He's not going to do it." Or they weren't coming and saying, "Say, you know, anxious." But if they really believe me, they come and say, "Dad, you know, Saturday tomorrow, is, are the polls ready? Are we ready to go? Or, you know, and, and they're counting on the promise." And so when I'm praying, see, see, here's what the deal about prayer is. When we pray, we need to get our teeth into the promise of God. And if God says to me, Thou, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I say, Lord, I'm thinking about you. I'm in your word. I'm staying on it. Lord, you promised me perfect peace. There's actually a scripture in the Bible that says, Command thou me. What? 
We're to command the Lord. Well, no, we're not to command the Lord that he would give me the car I wanted or the job I wanted. But when he promises us, God is not offended when we say, God, you said it, now do it. That's prayer. You see, we don't like to pray in that area. Because we think we're somehow usurping God. No, when we don't pray like that, we're dishonoring God. And so the right praying. The right praying, laying it out before God, saying, Lord, these things are coming in my life. And I know that no temptation has taken me, but such is common to man. But Lord, you said you would be faithful. And you'll enable me to overcome those temptations, those trials. The promise of God. Right praying. Get our teeth into the promises of God. Paul tells us to pray about everything that concerns us. He intends for us to do more than simply rattle off a list of worries to God. However, he says we must begin our prayers with thanksgiving, gratitude. It reveals the true condition of the believer's heart. God's priority is for our growth in Christ-likeness. He intends to use every hardship need to propel us to the end. You see, when problems come into our life, there's only two answers to that. One of them is we're reaping. And the other is it's a trial. The trials of our faith are more precious than gold. Because it'll strengthen us and settle us. And so sometimes <laughs> we have trials because God gives us a whipping. Sometimes, you know, oh, I had a flat tire today. Oh, God's testing me. Well, no, sometimes uh, when, you run, when you run what my friend used to call, when you run may pop tires, they pop, they pop sometimes. And some of our problems are our own stupidity. But we pray right. Secondly, it says here, <clears throat> when we pray right, we raise your request be made known unto God, verse 6, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It keeps our hearts and it keeps our minds. It's talking about soul things that I'm trusting the Lord. I know that no temptation is taking me such a common to man, that God allows things to come into my life for a purpose, that I can know that he's trying to work something here. Instead of saying, what is happening or why is this happening? We ought to ask, what is God trying to do in my life? What lesson do I need to learn? Because if he comes through the front door with a challenge to you and you don't learn the lesson and you close the door, he's going to come through the window of your heart till you learn the lesson. And then he says to think right. And finally, brethren, what sort of things are true you know, is this thing really true that I'm imagining in my mind? What sort of things are honest? And look at the definitions he gives here. True is accurate. Is this really accurate? You know, we fuss over a lot of things that we thought we heard people said about us. And, uh, and we can get it all bent out of shape uh, when we go to them. 
we find out it's not the story that I thought it was. Hmm. Things that are honest, honorable, and worthy. What sort of things are just? Those things that are, that are right and the things that are wrong. What sort of things are pure? Think on those. Instead of thinking, you know, when I get hit, I hit back harder. No, we're going to think about what would the Lord have me to do? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so, not only does it need to be right praying, but right thinking. That the Lord allows things to come into our lives to grow us. And man, can, can, our, can our minds just run like wildfire? Whew. Something's happened. They're after me. They're going to do this. And, and our minds are just, just <laughs> running as fast as they can. And in those times we need to say, Lord, help me to be still and know that you're God. Actually, when anxieties fill our heart, we've uh, come to the place of thinking that God is dead. Of course, brooding and fearful worries do not pass the thought test. Anxious thoughts often include other unbiblical moods and attitudes. Self-pity. How could they do this to me? Bitterness. Why did they do that? Anger. One of these days I'm going to teach on anger. Be ye angry and sin not. Righteous anger. Are you righteously anger, angry? Well, let me say to you that probably less than 1% of our anger is righteous. They can't do that to me. Well, what about the verse that says, esteem others better than yourselves? What about the verse that says, humble yourself in the sight of God and he'll lift you up? I'm smarter than him and he knows it. When I was playing football, I got put in a starting position over another guy that was ahead of me in school. And, and he told me uh, one time, he said, uh, I'm better than you and you know it. And of course, uh, I shouldn't tell this on myself. This is not biblical, okay? Just don't keep this in your mind. Uh, I was raised in Eastern Oregon, redneck country, and I said, okay, let's step outside here and we'll find out if you're better than me. Well, that didn't happen, and that wasn't godly. And uh, we want to protect ourselves. In Psalms 2, you can see David's concern about his enemy or about his loneliness. Then notice how quickly David turns his thoughts to God's nature and promises. 
It's not long before God is praising God in the middle of his trial. We don't find ourselves doing this more often. The answer is simple. We don't know how much, we don't know much about God. Why don't we find ourselves doing this more often? Because the bottom line is we don't know much about God. Sometimes Christians say, but I'm not good at meditating. That's not true, especially for a warrior. A warrior is a master of meditating. Meditation is simply taking an idea and thinking of all its applications and implications for your life. A warrior does that all the time, only when the thoughts, only with wrong thoughts. He needs to first repent of sinful worry and then practice the same with God's thoughts. And then the last thing here in Philippians 4, he says in verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and seen in me do. Big word. Two verses. And the God of peace shall be with you. The, the third thing to overcome anxiety and worry is do. Oh, man, I'm so worried about this. I'm so worried. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you're not going to solve tomorrow's problems today. Get up and do something. Go do what you know to do. There's a lot of anxiety and worry in prisons. You know why? Because they need to be working. We have all these worries. The best thing to do is go to work. Go do something. And then when you come home at night, you're so tired, you just fall asleep. Do. Do what the Bible's told you to do. It's a great, it's a great solution to worry. Now you can read the rest of this, but I want to take you over to how to get into God's Word. If God's Word has everything, Second Peter says it has everything that we need, everything that we need for emotional and soul problems, then how do we dig into it? Well, here's something I've brought many times before, and most of you don't use it, and so you get all wrapped up in worrying and wondering what's going to happen, and uh, so much for you. And so let's consider here verse 13 of Philippians 4, and we're going to meditate upon that. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The first thing I do, in step one, on the last page here, meditation works, step one, I go the verses before this verse and the verse after this verse, and I try to find out what's going on, and I realize that he's already given a prescription for anxiety and carefulness. And then I repeat it, 
I try to make sure I have it and I try to rephrase it that everything that comes into my life, God will help me. I can do those things because he's going to strengthen me. And then I pulverize this verse. I dig into it and I try to get more out of it. And what I, one of the ways to do that is to emphasize the words of the passage. I, that's me, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can, the little, little engine going up the hill, I can, I can, I can. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do, there's things that I can do. I don't have to sit here and let anxiety overwhelm me. There's things that I can do. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And of course you understand we're talking about the emotion and the soul part of us and maybe even some physical things. He's not talking about we can jump over mountains or we can fly. You, you, surely you understand that. I can do all things. Well, I can handle all this, but I just can't handle this. No, God will help you. How do I get that? Well, through him. Not my own power, not my own strength, but God will enable me. He will strengthen me. And then the last word, me. And then one of the ways to also pulverize that verse is for me to say it in the opposite. I cannot do anything. Christ won't help me. And I'm left to myself in my feeble strength. You say, oh, I'd never say that. <laughs> yes, you do. Maybe not, maybe not vocally. But yes, you do. When you are in a state of anxiety and worry, you're saying, I'm left to myself. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? God is dead. God doesn't care. Psalm 73, <laughs> wonderful psalm. God is good to Israel, but as for me, and boy, he goes into the mully grubs. And he talks about how the wicked are blessed and the evil people have everything. And, and then he said he was all a state of woe is me until he went into the house of God. And then he understood their end. Anxiety. Study the scriptures. And then we personalize the verse and say, you know what? Lord, I got to go for an interview tomorrow. Lord, I'm not very impressive. And Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Lord, I can't do this. But you said, Lord, you said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Lord, I'm, I'm claiming this promise. It's amazing. 
when we simply believe the promise of God and claim it for ourselves. A lot of praying is about claiming the promises of God. And again, we don't, we don't say, Lord, you, you say that, that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and Lord, Lord, I need to be strengthened, and I'm worrying here, and, and, and if, you, if you want to help me out now, you can. I'm not going to boss you around, God, but I, I could use some help. You know what that is? That's mockery. That's unbelief. God said that you can do all things through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're relying upon him and the spirit of God and he'll strengthen me. Do we believe God or not? And if we do, when we pray that prayer, we pray it with great assurance and authority and with expectancy. And then you can dig in deeper to it. I hope that you... Uh, I may have challenged some of you, and hopefully I did. I want to again say there's a vast difference between Christian counseling and biblical counseling. Years ago in San Francisco, there was a, a group of men called the Mindreth and Meyer Clinic. And it was a Christian counseling center. And this girl had tremendous problems, and they came in to see her. Uh, they, she came in to see them. And they concluded that someplace in her past that she had been molested by her father, and she is acting this way, but she had no remembrance of anything like that happening. But they just knew that that was the problem. That's not Christian counseling. <laughs> That's witchcraft. And let's say that she was molested by her father. Does it have to hamper her the rest of her life? What about the verse that says we're more than conquerors through Christ? What about the verse that says, forgetting those things that should be behind, I press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. See, we're in this state of, we're in this state of thinking that what's happened in the past is going to control me in the future. Baloney. Every day is a new day. The promises of God are as bright as ever. And because I've had bad things happen to me in the past, doesn't mean that I'm not a, 100% child of God. I'm not just a 95% child of God. I'm telling you that we've been primed for years and years and years to not really believe that this Bible has the answer to all soul problems. And it's dishonoring to God. We don't need the two book theory 
where we have to take all the truths of psychiatry and all the truths from the Bible and somehow we meld them together. Psychiatry has no value in soul problems. In fact, I would say to you, it has no value, period. Do you know that different, one person who's having what I'm calling soul problems, mental illness, can go to this psychologist and or psychiatric doctor, they'll say, this is your problem, they'll go here, this is your problem, you go here, this is your problem, and none of them agree. They do not agree. It's not a science. <laughs> okay, you can all go out here mad at me, but I don't really care anymore. <clears throat> I know this. The answers for my problems are found with the Lord. And I can have peace in this life because my mind is stayed on him. All right? You're dismissed.